Midterm votes matter. Hello, and welcome to the 2022 Good Trouble Voting Rights Podcast, sponsored by Black Women for Positive Change, featuring host Dr. Georgia Dunstan and co-host Dr. Stephanie Myers. Take it away. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Black Women for Positive Change 2022 podcast, where we talk about hot topics on Good Trouble Voting Rights. Here, hot stands for healing our thinking on good trouble voting rights this black women for positive change 2022 good trouble voting rights podcast is the place where we come together in community every second and fourth wednesday of the month to talk and share national and local perspectives on strategic actions for voting rights Today, our panel will unpack the second in our 10-part hot topics, healing our thinking thought questions. Today, we began this hot topics podcast with the foundation question on the second Wednesday in this month, July the 13th, with why do midterm votes matter? The audio tape of this session is available online and can be accessed at the Black Women for Positive Change website, which will be given uh, at the end of the podcast. Our hot topic thought question for today is why do intergenerational midterm votes matter? I am Dr. Georgia M. Dunstan, Chair of the Black Women for Positive Change Science Committee, Co-Chair of our voter rights subcommittee and the host of this Black Women for Positive Change 2022 Good Trouble podcast. I am joined at the microphone by the co-host for this podcast, Dr. Stephanie Myers, co-founder and national co-chair of Black Women for Positive Change. She is joined with our two guest panelists today, Ms. Nyla Owens, co-chair of the Black Women for Positive Change Gen Z Connection. And she's a graduate of Exeter Academy and a sophomore at Harvard. She is joined by Hugh Carell. This impressive young man is a graduate of Hampton University and he is employed in marketing where branding and who controls the narrative is the order of the day. I'm amazed by the engagement level of these two young people in our social and political world and look forward to hearing their perspectives on why intergenerational midterm votes matter. Now, before we jump into the analysis of our hot topic thought question, I would like to give my co-host Dr. Myers time for a word of introduction and greetings to our audience 
and I will ask her to also introduce our guest panelists and invite them also to say a word of introduction and greeting to our listening audience. Okay, well, thank you very much, and thanks to our audience for being with us and our guest today. Uh, my name is Stephanie Myers, and I am the national co-chair of Black Women for Positive Change. And we believe that this year voting is a top priority for the entire country and for the African-American community in particular. So we've started this podcast, hopefully as a way to get people to focus their attention on voting. So today we're going to be talking with two of our Gen Zs. We love to have intergenerational communication between different generations. So we're looking forward to hearing the thoughts and views of these two folks who are with us. So let's start with Hugh Harrell. Hugh, tell us just a little bit about why do you think voting is important? And if you don't think it's important, tell us why you think voting is not important. And then I'm gonna pose the same question to Nala after you finish your answer. Okay, that's a fair question. Um, I definitely say I'm kind of in the middle as far as where I would place it on my list of priorities. So, you know, of course, I have like my day to day life I have to focus on. I have work, I have, you know, finances and where I'm going to stay and all these things. And so typically I'm putting these things first. I am just kind of getting into the world. You know, I'm just out of college in a couple of years. So, you know, everything is more in my face. It's not as far as like, it's not really automatic yet. You know, like I'm not, I can't put myself on autopilot and things will work well. So typically voting and politics are kind of like in the background as far as what's going on in my mind, but I do know it's important. Okay, thank you for that answer. Nala, why do you think voting is important? And if you don't think it's important, why not? Yeah, um, well, I guess I'd like to start by saying I personally cannot emphasize enough how important it is to vote, particularly in your local elections, just given that, Hugh, I, I definitely get where you're coming from. The day-to-day -day is so hard to keep up with, especially as a young adult just taking on new responsibilities and adapting to the adult life. But every one of those things that you mentioned is impacted by the way you vote and the people who are representing you. Just one example, your job. There is a bill called Title VII that a lot of people might be familiar with, which protects you against workforce discrimination. And that is something that was written up by the people that we voted into office. Now, there are clauses in Title VII that allow businesses or corporations with less than 15 employees, for example, to intentionally discriminate against their employees. That's entirely legal, a thousand percent allowed. And that is a bill that was written by the people who were elected into office at that time. So everything from where you're allowed to throw your trash away in the municipalities to how you're allowed to be employed to the protections that you have as you move through the world in your day to day is impacted by the people who represent you. And I would say even more so when it comes to these midterm elections and these municipalities, these localities, I think a lot of people tend to underestimate how much power is invested in local communities. But I think that, for example, with the overturning of Roe v. Wade and that power being handed over to states or even districts within a state, people are beginning to realize more and more how much power their representatives, not only nationally and federally, um, but within their states and within their districts have. So everyone who's listening right now, I would encourage you to go vote in every election that you can become aware of, do some research into what elections are happening where you live, because these are things that do, when it comes down to it, impact your day to day in every facet of how you're able to live your life. Okay. Now, Hugh, you mentioned you're kind of in the middle. 
What about your friends? Are your friends and colleagues active in, actively involved in politics? Do they relate to voting as something, having a relationship to their jobs? Does it come up when you guys are out hanging out, just having a good time? Does voting come up then and who to elect? Maybe not voting, but politics in general. Usually I'm the one bringing it up. I have two sets of friends. Of course, I have, you know, my classmates, my former classmates, and then I have friends that I made outside of school. Classmates are more, you know, into politics and those type of conversations and outside of school friends are definitely not. Okay, Nala, what about your friends and colleagues? Yeah, well, I guess I might be a little bit biased just because I am studying kind of like government policy and social theory in college. So a lot of the people I spend my time with are kind of very in tune to these issues. But one thing that I do notice with some of my friends who are maybe outside of that circle is that politics can certainly feel daunting, even to enter a conversation into what's going on in the world today. The lingo that's thrown around and the specific bills and names can make it feel really inaccessible to be involved politically or be politically engaged. So I feel like things like this, podcasts like this, or even conversations with your friends can help political conversations feel more accessible and more, I guess, engaging. I think a really big part of that is also making it clear that the politics, it's not some game that is out to play for people like Donald Trump with lots of money who are white and stereotypically involved in politics. But it is something, like I mentioned earlier, that impacts every single person in their day-to-day -day life. So I think making clear those connections of how specifically these larger political conversations that might have a lot of lingo or a lot of history behind them can boil down to something that impacts your day-to-day. -day. And if people are interested in learning more about that. Uh, this is not an endorsement for any particular candidate, but I think that Elizabeth Warren's website does uh, a decent job of kind of connecting how a specific bill or policy would impact someone in their day-to-day -day life, specifically when it comes to economics and taxes. So if you're interested in, in seeing more about how politics can impact uh, the choices that you make or the way that you're able to live your life, that would be a great place to start in addition to just kind of a simple Google search or something along those lines. Okay, Dr. Dunstan. Yes, I, I, I want to thank again each of our young people. I am really biased. I, was, I have been looking forward to hearing your input. As we confront a startling rise today in racism and hate speech with anti-voter laws on the rise across America and gun violence threatening our very right to live. We as African-American citizens of the United States of America have a blood-bought constitutional right and I believe a sacred responsibility to vote in all local, state, and national elections if we are to move steadfastly towards the divinely inspired dream of Martin Luther King Jr. and vision of our beloved former Congressman John Lewis for a more perfect union where we establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. And when I think of intergenerational and Gen Z's, I think of our posterity. 
And I think there's nothing more inspiring than to get young people to share with my generation and the generation between your generation and mine, because I represent the boomer generation, okay? Uh, so my question to each of you, my generation was very involved in civil rights as a people. Now, as you, as you think about being part of a people, particularly African-Americans, it is said that voting rights is the new civil rights focus. Please, I would ask each of you to share with me, do you see voter rights as the new civil rights? How do you look at civil rights from the perspective of your identity and its relationship to voter rights today? So I will ask Nala if you would share first, as a Gen Zer talking to a boomer, where civil rights was our focus, and I see voter rights now, but I want your view on that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, the one thing I will say is that the work of your generation remains an inspiration and a lesson for everyone who is involved in organizing and activism today. We could not have Black Lives Matter had we not had the civil rights movement. So I, I believe that it's really important that each generation continues to build on the work of the next instead of standing in conflict. And I think that's a, a fabulous example of what we're seeing here today. The work that you all have done teaches us and inspires us on ways to move forward. But I do think that we have a new addition to the game these days, if you will, which is social media and online organizing, which is the new frontier of protecting, as you mentioned, civil rights and more specifically these days, voting rights. I think that social media and the Internet in general makes things like registering for voting more accessible to everyone. Gen Zers, Xers, Boomers, all included. And I also think that it allows the reach of Gen Z activists and organizers to be more widespread. For example, a couple years ago, I worked as a virtual field office manager for the Students Demand Action chapter in the state of Texas. Now, while I was working remotely in the state of Texas, the events that I held, the work that I did, the bills that I advocated for, that was something that was able to be heard on a national platform. I was able to advocate for gun violence prevention from my home in 50 states. I think something like that, the way that we're able to amplify our voices today, speaks to exactly what you're talking about, the new way that we're learning to fight for our voting rights and for our civil rights. And just as an example of how that's showing up within these various organizing uh, I guess, spheres. Even though I was advocating for gun violence prevention, I was doing the same exact thing as I was seeing in other nonprofits, which was getting people to register to vote. That is exactly the way that we're going to be able to protect the rights that we already have and the rights that we're are being threatened today. Uh, for example, the right to drink a bottle of water when you're standing in line to vote, the right to get assistance, getting to a polling place, the right to have access to a polling place within your own district. And that trickles up, like I mentioned before, to kind of the right to live your life as you would please, the right to be employed without fear of discrimination, the right to um, have control over your own marriage, even. We just had a vote about whether or not it would be legal to marry interracially, marry across, gen or across genders, you know? Um, so these things that were once outrageous and outlandish, these rights that are being threatened, are all entirely the result of years and years and years of voter suppression. And we are just now beginning to see the peak of the, or the tip of the iceberg 
of what those impacts are going to look like. And it's only going to get worse from here if we don't continue to keep fighting using the tools that your generation has had access to and the new tools that my generation has had access to, to ensure that everyone not only is aware of how they can vote, but is getting to those polls, whether it's through an absentee ballot, actually getting there and standing in those long lines, making sure that everyone knows what their rights are, what the laws are, because it is so important that we we have the power uh, to use that God-given right <laughs> that you just talked about, that hard fought, that hard earned right uh, that people like my grandmother sat at lunch counters for and were marching in protests for, and people today are still putting in that work. So I think that if we are to respect and appreciate the blood, sweat, and tears that have been put into making sure that we can live our lives meaningfully and productively, it is absolutely up to us to use the, the skills and tools that you all had access to. And once again, the skills that we have access to just at the tap of our fingers, with the click of our phone. So anyone who's listening today, I know that every single one of you has the ability to share with a relative, a friend, a family member, how they could register to vote, what local elections are coming up. If you just so happen to scroll upon a post about an election or a post reminding you to register to vote, make sure that you share that with the people who are important to you because their voices are important to me as well. So that's what I have to say on that. But I'd love to hear what, what Hugh has had. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, Hugh. So the question was, are voting rights the new civil rights, right? Mm-hmm. Voter rights as the new civil rights and how it addresses the same problems, if you will, but now as uh, Nala has said, in your time. So your thoughts on it, your thoughts on it. Well, since that is, you know, the main, you know, as Nala's been saying, and as you guys have been saying, this is the main way that we get things done as far as, you know, what we can do in life, you know, all aspects of life. I will say that, yeah, it is the new civil rights. You know, it really, um, really comes down to being active more than just being knowledgeable. I feel like I'm more on the knowledgeable side. I see so much, you know, like whether it's social media or just throughout the day, you know, glancing at the news or whatever is going on, you know, you're gonna see what's going on, but it's one thing to just know or kind of know. And then another thing to have an opinion or have a stance and then wanna go act on that. And um, I think a lot of people are kind of in that area of it where they just know things, they see everything, they see all the craziness or whatever, you know, characters they have up who are representing whatever their stance is. And, you know, I feel like a lot of time, a lot of times we kind of get paralyzed in what decision to make because there's so much going on. But it definitely is the new civil rights. Cause mm -hmm. I'd like to jump in here with a question because your point is, is well made. People are knowledgeable but aren't sure or don't necessarily act on that. How could we, if you guys were gonna just brainstorm and be creative for a minute, how do we take people from the knowledgeable level, knowing what's been done to the action level? What can motivate Gen Zs? Is it music? Is it poetry? Is it, what motivates Gen Zs? Is it money? I mean, what gets people up and out? I could answer that. It's just leadership. You know, we gotta have somebody as a figure, you know, who can um, really give the entire perspective from themselves or their group or whatever they represent, and then really just lead. Because a lot of times we kind of have 
people we can see them you know we see people who are pushed towards us as someone who we should rally behind but they aren't necessarily a person more than they're just an ideal or something and then let's say uh they don't win an election or something like that and they just kind of phase away especially behind everything all the controversies and things like that that happen every day so we need somebody that or maybe you know a few people that can represent their stances, our stances, and that we can just, you know, get behind. Okay, leadership, Nala. Yeah. yeah, just to add to that example, I think that in some places, we might've already gotten to that place where we have those leaders and we have those role models. Just an example in the state of Georgia, I think that Stacey Abrams with her new Georgia project has enlisted almost an entire army of young leaders, young organizers who people have the opportunity to look up to. And she's someone, like you said, maybe she did lose her election, but she didn't disappear. Another example of that is Beto O'Rourke. He did lose his election. Mm -hmm. my, my, he's, he's been in a couple races at this point, but mm -hmm. he has founded a nonprofit that is getting people to register to vote. And he, he is still a person who people are looking up to. Now, I think the one thing that the New Georgia Project did do um, that I feel is really a, a strong example for other organizations is they sat down and listened to young people on what they want to see. It is not always going to be the, the typical like flyers that we're used to seeing about register to vote. You have to make it personal and you have to make it something that people want to see. So for example, one of the things that the New Georgia Project did was they had a block party on voting day. They made people want to come out. They had, for example, childcare. They had places where you could take their, your kids so that they could go play and have snacks. They had artists performing that young people cared about, that young people wanted to come out and see. They took the things that were important to us, that they noticed that we were paying attention to, and they brought them to us. And I think that's another thing about making politics accessible. Mm -hmm. It's not only about boiling things down into simple language, but it's meeting people where they are, where their interests lie, where their priorities lie, and making sure that you make the connection to how politics or how elections specifically can be made relevant to that thing. So I think um, being creative in that way and once again, showing people why it's important or meeting them where they are is going to be how we continue to win elections like we did in Georgia um, and make that happen across all 50 states. So I feel like the New Georgia Project is one of my examples on, on how we can continue to keep doing that and engaging young people and engaging black communities. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. I, I really thank each of you for those responses. I'd like to follow up with that question because the, what you shared gets at the heart of what we're after with this podcast. And I thank you for your input. How do we motivate, as Dr. Myers asked, and how do we engage? My question to you is, do you have a sense that you are connected and rooted to the whole purpose, our purpose and identity as a people in this. For example, in America, we have the power to make a difference in securing an inclusive, accessible, and robust United States of America multiracial democracy where all human beings are created equal. We, 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 it has been said, um, as Lewis said, we as a people bring America to its ideal, what it was real, how it, the principles expressed. So my question to you, your connection to our identity as a people, 
especially in this time. Let me just ask you follow, here's where I'm going. We have removed as a people from human rights. The first level we dealt with in slavery as a people was the question and struggle for recognition as full humans, human rights. Then civil rights. Now we're talking voter rights. I'm a genomicist and our next level is birthrights, our inheritance of liberty, freedom for all. So your connection to the to the your purpose as a being, as a as an African American individual. Yes. You share on that. And this is a question. What is your connection? Yeah. What connection do you feel the history as an individual? As an African American. As an African American. Yeah. How are you connected to history? And while you're thinking about that answer. Nala, you mentioned your grandmother had sat in at some places. If you have ancestors that you know about who were participants in the civil rights movement, share that with us. And how does that connect with you? And we're, we're getting down to our last few minutes, so we have to be brief. Yes. Yeah, I guess I'll kick it off. And I'll, I'll say, especially in the last couple of years, unfortunately, I think one thing that has made me feel more connected to the struggle of people like my grandmother, people like my own mother, is just kind of the backsliding of access to civil rights that we've seen over the past couple of years with our Supreme Court decisions and with the people that we've been electing into office. I think, unfortunately, just witnessing how valuable the work that was put in is and what it was like to feel the loss of that, I think makes me feel more of an affinity almost with generations past. Like I acknowledge what you all have done and what you all have worked for. And I am so incredibly sorry that we are in a place where those things are no longer guaranteed. But what I can promise you is that I will be there in the trenches with you again uh, to make sure that we're able to see secure those things and secure those rights. So I can say personally, I absolutely feel that connection, uh, not only personally to the people in my life, like my grandmother, who I know uh, were out protesting and um, sitting in lunch counters and boycotting, but also more generally speaking to us as a people and to the work that we've all collectively put in, emotional, physical, all of it. So I think that that is an unfortunate way to feel that. But I do think that kind of, at least in my generation, the fear of knowing, oh, this is not, this is not all guaranteed. We had to fight for this. is something that's putting the fire under a lot of our butts um, and getting us out into those streets and getting us into online organizing. So I, I think that you guys have seen with the increase in, in youth voter participation and the increase in youth activism that we're out there with you all. And I hope we continue to see that increase over the next few years. Mm-hmm. You, what's your connection? I'd say it. most people, when they, when you say the word, you know, black history or African-American history, you know, you would think of the struggles and things like that. But for myself, I'm really thinking about the greater things that we achieve, especially if I'm looking in my realm, I'm looking at my family and my ancestors, I'm looking at the things that they accomplished. And so I'm looking at just their personal goals and, you know, how it really relates to me and how it can put the battery in my back to know that these things are possible, mm-hmm. you know, both sides of my family. I don't have, you know, my full name on here, but I'm actually the fifth. And so I'm looking at, you know, all of my past, you know, dad, granddad, great granddad, mm-hmm. great, great granddad. Wow. So, you Harrell the fifth. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm <laughs> That's all of awesome. these things and really, you know, how I'm, I'm really a lot like them. And then on my mother's side, 
And that was partially why I moved from the uh, West Coast, moved over there in the first place. So I have family over there and I can see, you know, what their legacy is like. But yeah, that's that's really what I look at more than just all the struggles and things like that, because, you know, at the end of the day, you want to be able to do what you want to do, right? So mm-hmm. that's the people I look up to. Thank you. Uh, Harrell's mentioning his family. The Dulan family in Los Angeles owns one of the most popular restaurants uh, in the city of Los Angeles. They have quite a legacy in the city, and we all enjoy their food. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So okay, it's fair to conclude with you guys clearly know that the baton of identity and purpose and power as a people has been passed to your generation. Is that okay? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, Dr. Dunstan, I think we're just about there. So you close us out and and we hope you guys will get involved with the voter caves. We need young people to put together voter caves of 10, 20, 5, 50 cars to go through the communities in October and November and promote voting. Yes, yes. The voter caves for us is sort of like the march for our civil rights era right now. it kind of grew out of COVID and people wanting to really be enclosed and what have. So we do have a whole layout of plans, but yes, the voter caves and going through communities, interacting face on a ground level with community, educating, assisting, making sure they can get to the vote. So we have something in different cities and all of this information is on our website. And I was gonna ask Dr. Myers, to close out by making sure that information on the website that she wants to say is included. Absolutely. And thank you so much, Hugh and Nala, for joining us today. And our website is blackwomenforpositivechange.org.org. You can come to the website, you can promote it with your friends, and we hope you will, and ask them to download the Voting Rights Pledge because Dr. Dunstan has created a pledge that people can sign and download and paste up on their refrigerator door if they want to and share with people in the community. We want people to know that voting is personal. So we thank you so much for joining us today. On the website, you will see the podcast will be posted up there. We have a TikTok video that we produce that's on TikTok that you can take a look at. And we're just trying to do what we can. So we're open to your ideas. So thank you very much. And we appreciate our producer, Dama Naylor, for being with us today. And Dr. Dunstan, thank you for your leadership. Midterm votes matter. 